How good are you at admitting that you're wrong? Really bad. <laughs> if I had told myself, like we just said, my teenage self, like you sit at home and, and film yourself putting on skincare, I would have said, wow, I can't think of a better job for me. <laughs> I always love taking photos of myself, I'll admit. Like, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so shy. Like, no, I always love being in photos. <laughs> I create nice work or nice photos or beautiful videos because I also create 10 times as many shit ones. Yeah, I love a bikini pic. I love feeling well in my body, which has taken me years to get. I'm someone who doesn't share my personal life online. My followers can ask me anything about skincare, anything about photography. You have to make a conscious decision of how much of yourself you're giving over mm. to random people on the internet, essentially. I'm just me. Mm. Is that enough? It doesn't feel Not like always. it for a good while. <laughs>
to I have like the adult and the child within me, which is which is nice and we do. But like sometimes I'll be like, no, I've totally got this and feel, you know, I guess it's like the confidence and the self-doubt, I suppose, that are kind of always ever present within most people mm. um, of like feeling like I have things under control and I know what I'm doing and I've done well to like I haven't, I, I don't know what I'm doing and will this last and all those kind of classic like doubt kind of yeah, the voice in your head that that likes to put you down. Yeah. A bit, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like you can think it's a younger voice, but because mm. I sometimes made me think, is it like your younger voice saying we're not ready for this yet, or is it self doubt saying you're not good enough? Because I think the two mm. have the same result, but they come from d- different angles. Yeah, true. I feel you're right because if I think of like if I told the teenager in me what I've done, she'd be like, "Cool," <laughs> you know, but I should be like, "Sick!" Like I love that. Whereas, yeah, it is probably more the self-doubt and more the the voice that wants to, I, it is a self-doubt, but I think it can be quite useful because it's mm-hmm. kind of, it can be like an unuseful critic, but it can also be a useful critic of like, you know, is that worth it? Is that what you want to do? Does this actually maybe feel right? Is this maybe not something you want to spend time doing? So I think it's like, it has its pros and cons, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So you occupy the space, which I think is really interesting, and that you said you're in your early 30s. You have amassed this huge audience on social media. You are, I know people get funny about the word, but for want of a better, for want of a word that everybody listening will probably understand, you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. And in the sort of beauty, health, help beauty, I would say, lifestyle space. Yeah. And the job that you do is a job that really didn't exist 15 years ago. So it's this, I would wonder if, was this ever part of the plan? No. And sometimes I do think like, if I had told myself, like we just said, my teenage self, like essentially, obviously there's lots more to this, I promise. Um, you sit at home and and film yourself putting on skincare. I would have said, wow, I can't think of a better job for me. <laughs> I always love taking photos of myself. I'll admit, like, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so shy. Like, no, I always love being in photos. <laughs> Took loads of like blurry film photos when there was only film cameras when I was nine. Like, I always loved capturing something and capturing myself, but also others around me. And I think it was um, kind of, my mum my was an artist. And I think kind of from seeing her, she would capture like in her painting, me and my sister and like the world that we lived in. So I was always like extremely aware mm-hmm. of reality and also how that can become not necessarily art but how reality can be seen differently by lots of different people that I wanted to kind of create my own reality I suppose yeah I think you touched on something there that's actually quite important to reference which is this idea that when you look at a feed like yours so if you go to your Instagram for example I see someone with incredible skin who's wearing beautiful clothes who's in a beautiful space and you always look really chilled. This is like you're thinking about something really serene in some of your pictures. And so the out the I think people can assume, as you say, that it's just you get dressed in the morning, you happen to, oh, there's a camera in the room, click, that's done, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. And the rest of the time you're at nice bakeries in London <laughs> eating no, the latest yes. in shoe pastry. <laughs> but I think it really underserves what people do, especially to have reached the heights that you've mm. reached. It is a business. Oh, it's massively a business. Yeah. And I think I I really like that you said it's like quite serene. And lots of people say that my feed makes them calm. And I think for me, I'm so happy because I don't feel calm most of the time. Mm -hmm. I have my, you know, have my moments and I know things that can make me feel calm. 
but because I run it as a business and it's not to say that like what I post is like so far removed from reality, but it's 5% of my day. You know, it's not that those lovely moments where I did take a photo or I did put my makeup on and have a nice, you know, little moment for myself or have a butt or whatever it is. It's like, it's sharing that percent. And I think of course, online, it's very easy to misconstrue that like that is someone's whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's nice that it can be calming. And I, I love that. And I love the idea of like helping others feel that even if that is just my 5%, if we can all share in that, even for five minutes of their day through watching a video or something, mm-hmm. That makes me really happy because I think that's like a nice thing to share rather than something that makes you feel the opposite online. <laughs> a gorgeous. Did you find the learning curve to it being a business challenging? And mm. I'm asking you because I read about your background. So you, I was an intern on magazines. I was a writer on magazines. And when someone else is the publisher, so essentially when mm. you have a YouTube channel, social media feed, a blog, and you are your own publisher. Yeah. But when you work, when you write for a title, someone else does the advertising, someone else does the HR, yeah. someone else does everything. Your role is simply to create the content. Yes. And I think for me personally, mm-hmm. actually having to learn the rest of it, including the finance side, yeah. was such a big, steep, difficult learning, full of like just feeling really wretched and like, oh, can I really do this? I'm mm. so rubbish. But in order to get where you've got, you obviously have to have developed those skills and in a way that you feel comfortable with them. That was the biggest learning curve, I think, because I think I always felt more comfortable because I'd done it even for longer. I'd, I'd had, I started a blog in like, you know, 2009 when I was 19 at university, like really like before it was a job. And I think mm. that's quite nice because it came from something that I was just sharing just because I didn't, people always say now, you know, like, oh, you just go into, think of it as business. It's like, yes, but you also need to think of it as something that you would do for free. Cause I think that's what that kind of authenticity that people talk about online comes through more. Um, you can have a business plan, of course, but like not losing what you're actually really about and what you're actually wanting to share. Mm-hmm. Um, but the learning, <laughs> I made so many mistakes. That's a huge reason why I started the mentorship because I was like, I'd learned so much in that like eight years, maybe by that point of kind of being within the industry as an editor, as freelance writer, I'd done some photography stuff. So I'd, I'd learned of like pricing myself mm-hmm. separately as a photographer rather than as a jur- journalist, working with brands just through myself rather than as a publication. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these things that I just learned along the way. And it was like, that was horrible. It was like, felt like I'd like kind of come out some kind of like crash and it was like, <laughs> Whoa, okay, I made it. But like, like I just had learned so much, you know, that that weirdly it's not like, like you said, this wasn't a a job, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago. So I really was making it up as I went along, but also making it up as the in as it became a job. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, oh, I'm new to this industry, like let's see how it works. It's like no one really knew how it worked. Mm-hmm. My clients that were brands were also making it up. So there was so much like, you know, see what see what works yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whereas now I feel like obviously things change you know so much but brands are used to working with people that you know are, mm. are creating content for them online or like they have more kind of structures to it whereas then it was very much like we're dipping our toe into this we're going to see what happens you know like we you know mm. give it a go and and the kind of feeling also going I don't know if you found this but going from publications to kind of more online Instagram mm. blog stuff the judgment I felt from peers of like 
that I was lesser somehow was really hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, for me, it's a distant memory, but you've just brought back the trauma. Yeah, absolutely. The idea that you would you would start a blog or having been on a title yeah. was like, you're mad. And, and interestingly, and patronized like about it. Yeah. So patronized. And interestingly, we all tried to come up. I was thinking about this the other day. We all tried to come up with snazzy names. So we all just so it was like, is the beauty edit taken? Like you'd go onto all of the website. Yes. Is the beauty edit? Is this taken? And you try to come up with yeah. something snappy because that was very much your publishing. It wasn't your lines. name. Yes, exactly. And and the articles would be like the top five. Like that's how I started doing it. <laughs> I came from magazines. Whereas now it's like, this is what I use. Yeah. It's way more personal. And I think that's why it has it has worked out and that even magazines now will do you know features on people because people mm -hmm. want to know about one person or a group of people rather than just like a blanket publication yeah. or magazine or website or whatever it is it's funny isn't it because yeah we want to you do the skincare videos people want to know what you use people are invested in what you use how you use it when you use it mm -hmm. and where you use it whereas when we were writing beauty for magazines perhaps um didn't matter. It was very much putting it into the consumer's hands. And I think it's a real skill to do both. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's the balance that one has to yeah, find. Of like, this isn't so specific to me that everyone else is like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the thing is, I don't, I don't think online these days, anything could be too specific. Like, I think if I was like, I am like, you know, gay, you know, I, every specific niche about me, I live here. I, in this age, I have this skin. This is what I eat. Like people be like, oh my God, amazing. Cause like I watch stuff that absolutely isn't like for me, mm. but I'm really curious to hear someone else's perspective. And I think that's kind of where we've gone yeah. online is like, it doesn't, I don't have to necessarily relate loads. I'm just like, oh, interesting. It's windows into other yeah. people's worlds, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it says. So nice. So I'm interested as I always ask my guests, this is a great get to know you question is what's your relationship like with risk? And I suppose I would, given what we've just discussed, there is actually quite a lot of instability in what you've described. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how risk and your relationship with it has played into the success that you created. I don't know why, but I just don't have like a risk meter in my body. <laughs> I don't think. I'm always like, yeah, all right. Like I, I just want to, like, I just... I've always been like that. Like, I, I don't think I can even factor it to like what I grew up around. Like, it, it was just like, maybe I moved around loads. So I was like, I went to like 10 different schools. I was always in like new situations, mm -hmm. new homes, different countries, speaking different language, like all this. It was just like, oh, something new. It it doesn't scare me. Ah. And I think that's like that, like, yeah, I'll give it a go. Like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So I think in that sense, like not, I'm not being like, nothing scares me. <laughs> like, of course it does. It scares me. But in no way would that mean that I wasn't, that I wouldn't do it, I think. So it kind of almost, if something's like, ooh, I'm like, ooh, it's, it's like, an, I take that like feeling in the body feeling as like excitement and like, should I just, should I just do it? Like almost like, do you dare me? <laughs> like, and that has played very well because starting a blog in 2009 at uni, even, even then it was like, I had to kind of hide it from friend like new friends because I had I just started university I had I kind of hid it as like oh this is just you know my little I'm just compiling images that I like because I'd always like save these images from the internet this was like pre-pinterest potentially probably around the tumblr era but you know all these sites exactly <laughs> you just looked <laughs> reminded wow. of a whole other life yeah you know I just wanted to compile images which now seems so like 
funny to like mm-hmm. that there wasn't anywhere for me to do that. Um, but it was just like kept it personal and like that was kind of weird mm-hmm. at the time. Whereas now that wouldn't be weird. You sharing rant, you know, your life online wouldn't even be considered out of the ordinary anyway. So it was like I'd always just wanted to try things out and and feel feel like I had my own kind of create creative space, whether that was online or like in journals. I've always kind of scrapbook type stuff. I think from having probably an artistic mother and upbringing in that way, like that was a given to me. Mm. So I think the risk side of that was just like, I'm just going to kind of do what I do, even if others don't do it, which I think in retrospect, me starting a blog in 2009 randomly, mm. not at all thinking this will be my job. This is my scrapbook was, was a risk in terms of sharing myself online when it was really weird to do so (laughs) but it didn't stop me (laughs) well that's really interesting so I think the thing that you really you mentioned there that I actually don't think I've heard necessarily in relation to risk is this idea that there was a lot of change when you were growing up a lot of moving so born in Paris lived in France moved to the UK Mm -hmm. that in itself like massive gear shifts in life like different languages and being different being Mm -hmm. new so actually, it really makes sense that if you've had all of these quite significant changes and none of them have rattled you, or even if they did rattle you in the beginning, you got used to it and it was like, oh, that was fine. Part of life, yeah. Then actually that probably makes decision-making and big decision-making easier. Perhaps. I think so. I'd never, I'd never thought about <laughs> it like that until I literally just said it. I guess it is like that change is part of, of life and growing you know personally and professionally and that some things are awful Mm. and you should not do them but you will only know that by doing them some things are wonderful and you should do them but you will only know the difference between those two by giving it a go Mm -hmm. like there's no like precursor to being to knowing the answer some things I thought are going to be amazing and work out really well for me I've been the worst and vice versa. So like you can only know by doing, I think. Yeah, that's true. I think it depends how high the stakes are, which brings me on mm-hmm. to you said that your biggest risk is going freelance. Mm-hmm. But it was, and you actually said it's the biggest and the best risk I've ever taken. So my first assumption was, well, the stakes must have been really high. And so what were you, what could you have lost? I think, again, this was, when I went freelance properly, it was like, 2016 I think which I can't believe it's like seven years ago now feels like I know (laughs) let's not talk about it um it was like really going like okay I'm like fully betting on myself I'd all you know I'd had my blog but I'd worked for other pub I'd always had that kind of safety net or like when I was in Australia as well I worked for a magazine kind of freelance but then also I was waitress at the beach because I was like you can make a great living and no, that's how I met so many of my still best friends through that wonderful community there. Um, and that was like my dream of living in Australia, like working on the beach and all this. <laughs> um, and yeah, so going like, okay, I'm just, this is my full, I'm putting all my time into me, my business, having to, like you said, do all those things. I'm not just writing. I'm not just taking photos. I'm actually having to Right, take photos, be do finances, find advertise, you know, like every role was suddenly mine, mm-hmm. which was which is terrifying. But again, terrifying is exciting. And I actually remember moving back, I was like looking for jobs in London because I'd kind of done half and half in in Sydney. 
and I was talking to my sister. Um, and I was like, oh, I was like, I was even looking for like, you know, like translator ones from like on like matches and stuff to like from like the like the product descriptions. I was like, I've got to find a job. And I think I still had that like kind of chokehold of like, you have to have a job. Mm-hmm. Like to be successful, you have yeah. to work. Even for matches, you know, it was still like that title or the, all that brand to affiliate yourself with mm-hmm. that makes it like successful or like okay or I'll be a- approved by people, you know, or others know know what I do. And being freelance, even now I have to explain, I, I don't even know what I do. I do so much and also nothing that it's like very hard to like to explain what you do to someone that maybe doesn't have any idea of social or, or how all of that works. Mm. So I think taking that risk to go freelance was like the like full like, okay, because if this goes wrong, you suck. Mm. <laughs> It's it's an identity thing as well. You just made me think about um, for 10 years, I was on a magazine and if I called up a press office and I wanted something, because you would pick up the phone back in yeah. those days, you're like, hi, it's Emma from OK, I need X. And they would send it. And that would be it. Then you, you hi, who's calling? It's Emma. Where, where are you calling from? <laughs> um, Southwest London. <laughs> Just like, my mobile. I, I have no, I have no descriptor mm. that lets you know why you should be speaking to me or title to bolster yourself. Because yeah. again, like like you said, like oh, people don't like influence. I, I call myself a myriad of things because there isn't one word for mm. everything I do. So it's like, you know, like people, what's your job? You're like, well, it depends on the day, the hour, the minute. I'm a slushy. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's no. It's almost like normally be like, yeah, beauty editor. Okay, like that's who I am that's yeah. and you put a bit of your identity to it oh, whereas yeah when it. you're just like I'm just me mm. is that enough mm. it doesn't feel Not like always. it for a good while anyway yeah it's a it's a big big shift do you think that your relationship with risk though is different perhaps in your personal life than it is in your work life your work life and your social life crossover mm. obviously but I'm just curious about whether you would say that there's a different whether your decision-making is different professionally versus personally. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm someone who doesn't share my personal life online. Um, So I'll share, you know, that I'm on holiday or something, but I don't share any of my personal friends. I don't share any of my family. I don't share, you know, the one time I might do that is like if it's my birthday and there's like a photo of me at my birthday. But like, you know, but Mm -hmm. I've been very strict with myself because I found over the years of sharing online that like I felt, a bit weird when I sh- shared that. And I think coming from a mag- magazines, it's like where you would work is, you know, online. Even when I ha- first had Instagram, I was working at magazines. So it's like, I'm sharing my work. It's mm. not like, and and it was, everything's changed now. Obviously, I think if I started now, I probably would share more of my personal life, but I'm really glad that I kind of made that separation. Mm. It's not that it's like, you know, all work, all serious. It's like, it's that side of myself. You know, my followers can ask me anything about skincare, anything about photography, anything about what I share. But my relationships, my family, all of that is normally completely like, it's not even like I don't talk about it or I won't share. It's just not what I want to share online because it's it's personal to me. Mm-hmm. And I already have a job where work-life balance, the, the you know, the, the distinction between the two mm-hmm. is, can be confusing. Mm-hmm. So if I also shared all my personal life, I would be in work mind because I think I have, I have such like determination for work and I want to make everything as great as possible. And I want to do everything like the best I can. 
that I would hate to like be at dinner with friends and be like, oh, I can't take the right photo of the food. Like, no, if I'm with friends, I'm with my friends. Mm -hmm. If I take a photo, it's for us. It's not, you know, it's, it's like a whole separate yeah. type of photo or content or whatever it is, you know? Um, so I think I'm definitely happier to share more and take more risks in work because it's like, it's still, of course it's a part of me, but it's like the, you know, Emma or oh, oh, that that Emma, mm -hmm. this is a set for Emma. And it's like, that is way scary, <laughs> obviously. It's also the first rule of journalism, like don't become the story is yeah. the, like, journalism 101, which obviously is very blurred now in the way that we consume sure. content and yeah. the amount of media that's out there. But I do think if you do speak generally, if you speak to people with journalistic backgrounds, they tend not, not to put themselves in as much as mm -hmm. you, you might think you're getting access. I think that's probably what you were alluding to there. Mm. Is I think people might think they know you. And that's great, but but probably they definitely don't have the full picture. Yeah. Which is a nice boundary to have in place. Exactly. Because I think that's that's one of the hardest things. And I, I know now like every there's a great community within the mentorship and they want, you know, what should I share online? Like what does well? And like, you know, people share all their lives. And it's like, that's great. If and I love looking at other people's stuff. It's not I'm not judging people sharing it, but it's like you have to make a conscious decision of how much of yourself you're giving over mm. to random people on the internet, essentially. Mm -hmm. Not that everyone is that, but that like anyone can have access to yeah. is where I felt uncomfortable with it, I think. Totally. I've Side note, I'm sure anyone watching this who's watched any TikTok and follows any kind of influencer will have seen the getting dressed with. And for me, starting out a TikTok video or an Instagram video in your bra and pants... <laughs> It's still, and maybe it's the prude in me, maybe, I don't know, but it still makes me go, ooh. See, that's one area I that I have no qualms about. Really? For sharing my friends. Yeah, I love a bikini pic. I love feeling well in my body, which has taken me years to get. So yeah. I think that, I'll share that way more than I would one of my best friends. Okay. Talk to me about that. Um, it'd, be, it'd be remiss given the content on yeah. this podcast for me not to ask you about. It's taken you a long time to yeah. find that comfort. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, growing up when like in the 90s and 2000s, I, I look at stuff now oh, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like I used to idolize these people that I look at now and I'm like, you're ill. Like a genuine, like not like a, a judgment on size, just like you're so obviously mm. <laughs> not eating mm -hmm. and that I thought that that was normal and, and ended up doing that myself through online. And this was just the beginning of the internet and it's like Paris Hilton days, you know, that side, <laughs> like all of that. And I would be obsessed and ha that's how I saw online. So mm. at first I really didn't share like that side of me, but then kind of through growing up and kind of coming to terms with myself in my late twenties, I would share more and more. And then it became something that people would ask me about because, again, it's that assumption that like, oh, you've, you're always so confident and you're like, <laughs> you have no idea mm -hmm. what this took to feel like I feel really happy in my body and I find myself sexy and I'm going to post it online. And it's not a thirst trap. It's not for that. It's just to be like, I love myself and I want to share that with people and if that helps anyone. And it's not, I'm not on the kind of body positivity thing. I, I don't like that phrase because I feel like it's, it helps people and that's great. But mm -hmm. for me, it's like, as if you were going with mental health, like you have to constantly be happy. You'd be like, oh, like, no, like we'd be like, no, you know, you have up and down days. So I do that with my body. We all do. It's really like, un, like it's not realistic to think that like you're always, you know, that you're never going to look in the mirror and not be like, 
don't you? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like, like, yeah, sometimes I'm around, I'm like, girl, you're great. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, okay, it's a tracky day. And it's, and it's just, but I've learned, I just don't need to dwell on it because I can dwell on it for five days and then be fine. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a waste of my time. I will go through it. What makes me feel good about my body? Having a bath and, and skincare for me is that as well, because it's like, it's touching your body rather than just seeing it as mm-hmm. like a thing that you see in the mirror or that you look down at. It's like actually being like very present within yourself. And I think going through that somehow also made me so much more confident in myself as a whole mm. personally professionally just like I am what I am and like that's okay and I don't need to be you know all these ideals like I'm I'm great at some things and bad at others I sometimes feel great I sometimes feel bad and that's fine yeah it's a it's such a an interesting one and you use term body positivity which I've recently learned has evolved into now we're saying body neutrality. And I I think what I would I think would be really interesting to know as somebody who's struggled, and what I think will always struggle, I think I'm definitely in, mm-hmm. in what you would call recovery for my issues around food and body image mm-hmm. and size, weight and shape. I f- have been very, very good at hiding from cameras and not being seen <laughs> when I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. So I didn't want anyone else to see it. And I think there's something quite confronting and perhaps that expedites that acceptance of how you look when you are yeah. photographing yourself. Yeah, definitely. Because, and and that's why I think lots of the body positivity stuff, I don't love that phrase, like mm-hmm. you said, it's body neutrality now, but like. But what does that even mean? Exactly. It's like, just have a body. <laughs> I think it's what that means. <laughs> Don't be negative don't and think, don't be positive. But, Just be like, it's, but it's so like, don't think about it. Don't, do, don't, but it's like, don't <laughs> think about it. Do you think about it? It's like, what does being neutral mean? You can't, uh, but that's the thing is you can't be, mm. you can't, I just always link it to the mental health thing. Like you wouldn't be like, just like kind of don't be depressed, but don't be like annoyingly happy. You'd be like, well, <laughs> can't I be like, and those are extremes of course, but you're yeah. going to be somewhere in the middle. Mm. It's not the all right in the middle and you feel you're numb. It's the, you have a bit of both mm. and you always will. Mm-hmm. And there's not a magic fix. You can, of course, learning to get there from being extremely negative, like mm-hmm. we both have been and having that impact eating and all of this as well. But just just feeling like it's the hardest thing because when I talk about it, it's like it feels so general and mm-hmm. I feel like it's so specific to us of like, you know, we all have that area, like what's your, if you know, you could, we can all be like worst body part, go like done. Right. <laughs> Best people are like, um, oh, I haven't really. And so it's just changed that mindset of like, I did it. One of my like top tips for it, even though it's, it's very specific to people is look at the bits you like and just focus on them. And mm-hmm. others can just kind of be, they're there, but they're kind of like blurred in the background. Mm-hmm. So like dress for the bit you love show that bit off and yeah. kind of don't think not to hide the bit you don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's that like little switch, which I think is eventually what gets you into that mindset that takes time. It's mm-hmm. not an immediate thing, but that you feel more comfortable in your body. You don't have to be naked on a rooftop shouting it to everyone, but that you feel okay. Yeah. And that's fine. It's a shift, isn't it? From hiding and camouflaging to celebrating and showing that isn't going to be isn't going to be something that happens overnight 
but one is definitely an indicator of sort of maybe being ashamed or, mm -hmm. and the other is an indicator of being quite proud and it's shifted, it's moving the needle, isn't it? Yeah. Towards the other side, which we're so conditioned not to do. Exactly. And it's so easy to fall back and we all do. Mm. And again, I'm not feeling like, oh, I failed. I'm never going to get this because, you know, once a month or however often I feel shit. Mm. It's like, that's fine. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. We've talked about your creativity a little bit, but um, I'm curious about, so if you were to say on a scale of one to 10, one being mm. not very good and 10 being excellent, how good do you, you think you are at handling obstacles in life? Oh, <laughs> depends on where, where the day. Um, I'd say like an eight. Okay, that's good. I feel like because I've, again, comes from experience mm -hmm. of like, I've been in some really awful situations that I've got myself into. Like what? I, 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 we, I had a bad agent and I, I think I got like, I didn't trust my gut when signing with them. And I was kind of flattered that I had been asked to be represented. And I was like, this is it. This is the time I'm going to have someone help me. And, mm. and didn't really look too much into them or, or ask maybe questions that I would always ask now or realize that actually they were working for me, not vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, or collaboratively, at least. It wasn't like, you know, you now tell me what to do type thing. So I think I've learned from those situations that to always I like doing things really fast. <laughs> and so I think I don't always consider everything because mm -hmm. I'm I'm quite good at making snap decisions, which lots of the time when it comes to my own creativity or something, I'm like, yes, no, yeah. Like I trust that. Mm -hmm. But within things that involve other people, I I tend to make a snap decision okay. when I shouldn't. And that's what I've learned. So I think if there's been obstacles, it's normally because I've made a snap decision being yes or no. Mm -hmm. And then been like, ooh. <laughs> I should have sat on that for a few more days, basically. Is that because, and I'm projecting onto you here because it would be when you're saying it, I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know what? I'm probably similar. And it's because I hardwire into that decision-making that the other person needs me to move quickly. So because there's someone else involved, if it was just me, I would take the yeah. time, but I don't want to keep anyone else waiting. So I move faster than I should. Yes, that's so true. I feel like, oh, you must need to know this immediately. Mm -hmm. When then, and then it's also the kind of thing you like reply, and then like no one replies for like a week, and then you're yeah. like, oh, I could have also, and that that's completely normal. Mm. And again, I think it's that thing of of to an extent working for yourself, where you're like, okay, great, yeah, I'm gonna do that job. Okay, great, that will be this week, and then you're like, oh, this is actually for in three months. Mm -hmm. It's like it's kind of like you want to just like be like this week. I got myself a job, you know, like it's almost like you want to like tick or like add things to like, yeah. this is what I've accomplished. And I, I want to do that very fast. I want to get through my to-do list very fast. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, no, yes, no, maybe no, can't be asked. Yes, I'll do that. Or whatever it is through all the organization that I have to do. Because mm. I think that's a side as well of online is there's so much like admin to it mm. of like, even before I sit down and shoot something, there has maybe been months of exactly what I will be shooting how we want it to look, what the main message is, mm. what the fee is, if they're going to use it after that. Or, like there's so many specifics mm -hmm. that are involved that are like, that are not the creative side. Yeah. And so I think for me, and that's actually why I, I initially 
wanted to have an agent was because I was like, then I can have this time where I have, I can be creative because I was being bogged down to an extent by the admin side of things. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but it it was, my mind was thinking of that rather than how can I make this beautiful? How yeah. can I make this? In, I love sharing informational stuff. You know, how can I provide something wonderful for mm-hmm. them rather than I need to yeah. reply to this email or they need to tell me something like that kind of thing. And I think that those are separate and doing them both. I still have an extent of that. I have a wonderful agency now, by the way, just in case. <laughs> this was an old one. <laughs> I love you, Storm. <laughs> um, they're wonderful. And like they provide me that support mm-hmm. also. And like letting myself not have to do everything, which is very hard. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, you said when it came to your biggest obstacle, I was genuinely, as someone who looks at your output and your content and thinks it's beautiful, it's so thoughtful, it's so creative. When you said the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome is trusting in your worth as a Mm -hmm. creative, I thought, well, I want to know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think um, it wouldn't, I I don't think it's what one would assume Mm. would have been part of the journey. I think you have a mother who's an artist. Therefore, the assumption I've already made in my mind is that you've just been naturally artistic Mm. since day dot. So what was the, how did worth and your creativity combine? Um, Yeah, no, I haven't. I mean, I've been around artistic things, which I think helps. And I studied history of art. So again, you know, uh, a knowledge of that, not, Obviously, that's not you outputting creativity, but it is analyzing others' creativity, which I find endlessly fascinating. And not just history of art, but even now, like Mm. how we're having this conversation, it's almost that kind of same thing. Um, I think I worked on my creativity and I think because I've done it for so long, it's very easy, even if you scroll back for years, to be like, Emma's always been good at this. Mm. And I will say now, like, I am good at this. Not that I think every single thing I put out is good, but I I have a certain, I fall back that like, I'm okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I trust myself enough to have that, that self-worth in myself. And if something is shit, well, you can only have your best work by having your shittest work. It's a balance you can't always do your best work otherwise it wouldn't be your best it would just be your work kind of thing (laughs) and accepting that Mm -hmm. but also I really 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 wanted to be a photographer 
and I took, I mean, I, I'm sure I've taken millions of photos. I have 150,000 photos in my phone alone. So, and that's... I know that you have to get the biggest storage <laughs> and I have to de- you buy I have to delete them all the time. And that is from my phone I, I got, you know, 18 months ago. I t- and, but I, I took, I create nice work or nice photos or beautiful videos because I also create 10 times as many shit ones. I only share the good ones. Of course I do. Even now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying now I've, you know, I've taught myself that, yeah, I'm better. I have a better idea of what I want or what looks good or what my audience mm-hmm. want and finding that kind of uh, middle line of people will enjoy this. And I also like doing it because mm-hmm. I think you can't just do something that people, you know, people want to see lots of stuff that I'm not going to ever do, you know, <laughs> like my family or personal life, stuff like yeah. that. That's just my boundary, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I worked on it loads and I still work on it now Mm -hmm. and you know it's this thing we know that what we see online is not is people's highlight reel to an extent even if it's a little you know bts tiktok it's still the good bts tiktok you know (laughs) it's still they've probably still filmed it 10 times guys not always of course but as in you know even the like real you're still filming it Mm -hmm. so it's not real yeah Yeah. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? So there's still that kind of facade between reality and online, of course. But even though we know this, it's so, and I do it because I'll look online and I'll compare myself to everyone and I'll be like, oh, why have I done that? You know, like someone's done it better or like, oh, that's such a better idea than mine. Why did I think my idea was good? Or like, why did I think that looked, you know, I I do that all day. Mm -hmm. But that's part, I think, of being, of sharing one and also being creative because you will you can't completely not look at other stuff because that's why there's you know trends whether it's in like painting groups from the 1940s in mm-hmm. the US to, to now online you know mm-hmm. like those things are like there's the way people share and create and share their life or thoughts or whatever it is will always have be in a bubble of sorts and mm-hmm. it will change from what I would share on my blog or, or Instagram and like you know, 2012 is is not what I would now mm. because times have changed. So it's like you're constantly growing and accepting that to constantly grow and get better, you will also constantly compare yourself to an extent. There's a point where it can be detrimental, mm. but that's great. It's that, it's that kind of healthy critic again, like, oh, oh, I love being like, not being like, oh, that's such a much better idea. I start just being like, that is a bloody great idea. I love that. That's really, you know, and telling that person, people mm-hmm. that tell me, I'm like, thank you, because I'm just in an empty voice sometimes. <laughs> like, even other creators I'll see at events and stuff and be like, oh, I love what you're doing at the moment. You're like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> Whoa, I needed that. You don't realize yeah. how much you need it because yeah. you're like, you know, yes, people might like it online and that's great. And obviously that gives you, you know, uh, a feeling of d- accomplishment mm-hmm. or deservedness enough to an extent but someone in real life or going out their way to message you and be like by the way that was great or that made me feel like this or I've incorporated those you know whether it's skincare tips or they're part of my mentorships and I had a message from someone this morning saying they've just made three times a month three times what they used to make a month that's now their their income thanks for my tips and I'm like it's always helping people and getting that feedback, because again, you can feel like an empty void. Then you're like, wow, just that one message 
is worth every struggle that mm. I've had because that makes me, that's had an impact on someone else. Mm. And it is, sharing online is also about who you're sharing it with in that community, I think. It sounds as well as though there's a confidence in what you do and your aesthetic and the position from which you approach your creative output, but an appreciation of what other people are doing without letting it derail you. And I think that's a yeah. really good just rule of life, isn't it? Just kind of, if you establish who you are, what you stand for, what you like, what you don't like, mm -hmm. then other people can be wildly different and you can appreciate them and not feel that they're competition. But, but that's, I mean, it's always a bit of both. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say I always feel just, oh, how lovely. I'm like, mm. oh, oh yeah, you, you got that job. Or like, yeah, of course we all have those feelings, but it's also like you can't, if you're going to constantly focus on them as a detriment to what you do, then that's what it will be. It will be a detriment to what you yeah, do yeah. because you'll be trying to be someone else. Whereas if you go like, that's great for them, but I want to do it like this. And then that, that thing ends up being why people come to you. Mm. And like noticing that difference between you and others would be so boring if we were all the same. It would be so boring. If we were all the same. <laughs> now, I know we've talked about risk and we've talked about the fact that you seem pretty good at just decision making, even though there have been some mm -hmm. wobbles along the way. How do you feel about regrets? I, I'm not a regretter. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you have to, anything I've ever done that I could like regret in inverted commas is something that I would have learned from and gone, great, done that, really bad, <laughs> note, really bad idea, don't do this again, mm -hmm. or something like that. Or that would have been a great idea and you missed it. Mm -hmm. So I have learned from that. And I, I think it relates to the risk of like, yeah, if that was a good idea and I missed it, well, then when those opportunities come, just try them out or, you know, mm -hmm. test things out. Not everything is going to be successful and not everything is going to fail. So if you're, if you put that time into learning from those regrets, so even if you miss an opportunity, you go, oh, I regret that I didn't do this. You know, I didn't, people say like, I didn't start TikTok two years ago, you know, something like that. Be like, we'll do it now. That's the lesson. You can't go back in time. Mm -hmm. So what can you take from that feeling of like, oh, damn it, which to me would be regret. Mm -hmm. Just be like, we'll do it now then. Yeah. It still happens when people, oh, there's no point sharing online. Yes, there is. People are like, this is never, we live in that world where everything can be your work. Any, mm -hmm. People want to see everything and anything. So if you want to do it, do. There's the saying, isn't there, that you... It's, you're more likely to regret the things you don't do than the things you do do. Yeah. But it seems, I can't say do, do without thinking about Chandler Bing. Um, <laughs> you do actually do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try and soften it a bit. Yeah. So, but it seems as though for you, every action, whether it's successful or whether it does fail, is viewed very quickly as a lesson in data that you collect to then move on. I am a data collector. I'm like, and I think that's why... I always love taking photos because it's like a documentation of type. Like mm -hmm. I was always that friend, you know, when we, I was 90, like going out in clubs like that would have the, the camera. So I was like, I just wanted to like document everything almost mm -hmm. as a, yeah, as a data collection <laughs> for some reason. So it wasn't even an aesthetic or a creative thing. It was just, we were here yeah. almost. I did this. This oh. happened. This is my life. 
here, you can't tell me I didn't or something. Like, yeah, yeah I kind of... Uh, and because I love like memories and I think because I've had family, you know, I have family all over the place and parents in different countries. And I've just like, I'm such a, I want these like physical things of like, this was my life. This happened. It's not right now, but I've had that. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, it's like a memory that's like, it must've been real. <laughs> Look, <laughs> If someone said to you, Emma, um, for Lent, no pictures. You can't have a camera. Oh my God, your face. You can't have a camera and you can't take pictures for however long. What does that obviously churns up a feeling in mm. you because your facial expression just <laughs> <God>. <laughs> betrayed me. I knew you were going to be like, oh, I couldn't do it. But, I, but clearly that was actually quite a shocking suggestion. I don't even, it's so far, not even just for myself, but for what, I, what would I do? It's so much of my personal self and my work self to capture things that I can't even, yeah, no. Do you ever live through the lens? The reason I'm asking that is because I think, let's just use the example of concerts. Yeah. You go to a concert now and everyone's <laughs> filming the stage and no. they're not looking at Taylor Swift or Harry Styles, whoever's there. So you go onto TikTok the day after a, or Instagram the mm -hmm. day after a concert and all you see is people's footage and you... And I must admit, I don't do it because I want to be present. Yeah. But I also know that the first time I ever went to a concert, I think my first two concerts were In Excess and Aerosmith. I remember at the time thinking, I wish I could remember this forever. Mm. So I understand wanting to capture it forever, but it's never the same as what you're... It's like people filming fireworks. It's like, are you actually going to watch that back? Mm. <laughs> they never look as good. Yeah. I think capturing a moment of it to be like, I have a 30 second recording, but I don't need to film the two hour set. <laughs> There's a difference, you know, of like, oh, let all like a photo with me and my friends, but I don't need to, mm. sh you know, record the whole thing. Yeah. Because then you're distracted from living it and from actually having the best memory yeah. of it because you, you're relying on your footage to be your memory rather than like the feeling that it makes you feel. Yeah. But I mean, I would, or, you know, I would definitely film something, but it's like, I don't have to film everything. Yeah. But I think people are so content orientated now yeah. that they will. And that's for me why I don't share like my friends or like those kinds of things. Cause it's like, I'm not thinking like, oh, this would make a great TikTok or that would be a good, I'm just like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Not, I'm not on my phone. Of course I'm on my phone the same as anyone else, but it's not, I'm not here to then have a viral TikTok. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not my outcome. Yeah. I don't need that. It's this weird displacement from the life that you're living if you're looking at it through the lens as you're living it, mm -hmm. which I think I'm older and I think maybe ha have lived the life, lived a, mm -hmm. a full life before social media. So haven't I've embraced it, but perhaps it doesn't dominate. Yeah. And I do sometimes look at younger people and I think, God, can you, I can't imagine what it must be like to yeah. have only known seeing so much of the world in your phone. Yeah. Like you'd and hear stories. Like when so I was much up. of the world. Mm. Like you can see anything. Yeah. Which is, it's almost too much. Mm. I, and like, you know, every generation has, you know, the pros and cons to, to it, of course. Mm -hmm. But yeah, remembering that. And like, even as someone who works online, I'm still like, oh my God, yeah, that isn't someone's real life. Mm. you know that's the separation and yeah. reminder of like I think I could give up my phone for Lent but not a camera deal 
okay. <laughs> like social stuff, if it yeah. obviously work removed. But like, it's not that I need that. It's mm -hmm. that for me, it's that documentation that I had even when I was yeah. 11 kind yeah. of thing. It wasn't for anything. You said something when we when I asked you about regrets before the show, and you and I thought this is actually really lovely. You said I learn from life rather rather than regret it. Yeah, I really love that. I'm glad I, it. Everything comes from experience. You know, the same way if you're in from friends to romantic relationships, you learn. You know, when you're older, you probably have a better hold on stuff because you've been through stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You learn from that. We know that. And for me, the same is for work or or personal of like, the, I guess it's the data collection again. It's data collection, like, isn't it? This has worked. This hasn't worked. And for me, it's not about focusing on what could have been. Of course, I do sometimes, but it's finding that side of living life and really embracing living life in all its messiness and wonderfulness is, yeah, that how boring if everything went well. Again, imagine if everything you wanted to happen happened, what the hell would you do then? I honestly, <laughs> I think about this when I think, when I get caught up in people who seem to have it all. Yeah. And obviously you are, as you said, you're seeing the highlight reels, but imagine having all the money. Yeah. And that anything you wanted, you could just go and buy. But I know people who have all the money and they're so unhappy. Uh, not that everyone that has loads of money is unhappy, like, of course, but like that doesn't stop. You'll find a problem. Your brain is very, very good at that. Mm. You know? So it's not, you know, me, I'm like, oh, I'm saving up for this or I want, you know, that job because then I could say I've worked with them or I want, you know, this, all those things. Okay, you have them. What are you going to do now? You'd, you'd then, okay, well, now I want this thing or I want that success or I want this in my personal life or I want that house or I want that holiday. Like there's always that and that will always be part. And they're great things to hear, but know that once you have them, you'll just want the next thing, yeah, <laughs> which is completely natural. It was so funny. For some reason, I was reminded of something I said probably about 15 years ago oh, the other day. One of those <laughs> things where you're sort of lying there, it's having a perfectly nice time reading a book and then... Yeah. This memory just goes, I want to hurt you. And it's been, it was a really specific memory of when I was kind of finding this common bond with somebody. And we both were, we both went, yeah, that's exactly it. That's our life. And I remember saying something along the lines of anything that I've ever wanted, I've had to work really hard for. Mm. And I wasn't saying it in the anything I've ever wanted, I, I've worked really hard for and I'm proud of that. I was saying it from the perspective of anything I've ever wanted, I've had to work really hard for. And that's so unfair because I, I see it happening so much more easily for other people. And I, I'm really glad that that memory decided to mm -hmm. break out of its filing system and smack me in the face. Because there was a part of me that thought for a really long time that everyone else, everyone else's life was so much easier. And if they wanted a successful blog, they just wrote three posts and boom, it happened. Yeah. And that I think can be... A, re a really um, unhelpful headspace to live in. Absolutely, and and there's a there's a something feels sweeter when you reach it, mm. when you have worked hard for it. Mm. You know, not that you have to work hard for everything for it to be enjoyable, mm -hmm. but there is something of that like kind of life feeling. Yeah, of like I did this, like I bought my flat. 
I full, that had no help. That was me. Mm-hmm. I did that from my businesses. That was like, yes. <laughs> I like, and people are oh, like, oh, did your parent? Like, <laughs> no, me. I did it. And I'm like, very like, happy to share that because I'm so proud of myself because that was something, like I said, I moved loads to have like yeah. that actual home. Yeah. And like, be like, and I got it for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like the most mind blowing thing that I managed to do that. And, not saying, oh, I would hate it if I had really rich parents and I got bought a house. I'm sure that would be lovely. But that feeling of like, and I think I appreciate it more yeah. as well. It's earning something. Yeah. And like being like, and I did that for myself. Mm-hmm. Not that it's wrong if you ha- have help from people. And that's not what I'm saying. But for me, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I was able to like gift myself somewhere to live, mm-hmm. that I could do mm-hmm. the things I wanted was like, yeah, mind blowing. Um, I'm now going to ask you about a time when you were wrong, but before mm-hmm. I do that, I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, yeah. one being poor, 10 being excellent. How good are you at admitting that you're wrong when you're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Below five? Like my gut reaction, you know, I like, like, yes. And when I say when you're wrong, I was like, never. <laughs> That is, that's me mm-hmm. because there's like a difference between like right and wrong or like that was the correct decision or incorrect decision to me. So mm-hmm. I think it like depends on what situation you're wrong in. Mm-hmm. Like again, personal or professional life, very different. I would obviously react very differently professionally. <laughs> I am a professional, even if I'm like, <laughs> like, there's things I've learned along the way that it's just not worth that things will happen. People mm-hmm. are bad at communications. Mm-hmm. So things I might do something wrong when it's my miscommunication or something like that. Labeling it right mm-hmm. and wrong isn't always helpful. But yeah, I think I'm someone who like at my core hates being wrong. Mm-hmm. But you're also somebody who said that they don't have regrets and don't believe in excuses. And so, so that's what makes me yeah in my head rarely wrong because I'm like because I know yeah because I did it so I have learned life experience whether again professional or personal because I've literally done that Mm -hmm. so I in my head would be like well no that's I can't be wrong because I've lived Mm. yeah no I get it but you've said and I think this is really interesting so the life of a beauty journalist a blogger could be in its entirety going to events going to new product launches going to new event openings it's a very busy and it's a very social job if you want it to be mm-hmm. but obviously that allows no room for content creation the admin all the stuff that we've talked yeah. about earlier on in this conversation and you said that and i completely understand why you thought it but i think you said that at the beginning when you really started you thought that the way to the path to success meant going mm. to absolutely everything yeah. and being seen at absolutely everything. Yeah. And completely disregarding my energy levels and mental health mm. for that. And I think it has its place if you're starting out industry. Obviously, meeting people in real life is is a lovely part of it. Mm. But when it becomes most of it, when it's not something that is technically the the work you get paid for i get paid to create videos or create photographs or film myself chatting 
Like that's my work work, you know, like kind of top line my business. Mm-hmm. That's how it makes money. So and it's very easy the social side I think of like influencer stuff because it's like, you know, people share these lovely events and of course they're incredible and I've been on some like amazing trips in my life that I'm so thankful for, but when it was like I could spend 9 hours in and out of or in and around so <laughs> on any day and and I could probably find that today if I wanted to busy myself mm. and do that and constantly be at things and feel like I had to show up as kind of as a, a people pleasing thing to an extent as well of like if I don't do everything for someone else why would they ever want to do anything mm. for me but over the years I've learned and especially in COVID when we couldn't go, you know, in lockdowns, we couldn't go to these events. It was suddenly like, oh my gosh, I'm creating some of the best work I've done. I'm growing online. This is amazing. And it's because, I mean, everyone was online as well. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, pretend that was a thing. Okay. <laughs> but I had that time mm. to fully be in like my creative self. And I think that is so important to give that time you know you can't just get home I always also shoot in natural light so my day massively every day when I shoot things is dictated by the light Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I know is very (laughs) by various windows in my flat like that so I can't be out at x time if I have to shoot a job for tomorrow Mm -hmm. like I have so it's like and that takes priority now and I know that that's okay it's not that I would never not go to all these things but like knowing that I'm allowed to prioritize what is more beneficial for me and that's not like cruel and it's not like gonna necessarily impact my work and personally I think if it does if someone would maybe not work with you because of that I would find that weird how did it impact your mental health you said that there were repercussions um I was really depressed from a couple well two two years properly depressed I had no personal life. I'd given all of myself to work. I had no, like not no friends. I had friends, but I had no time to nurture them. I was constantly at stuff. That was my whole life because I was so, I have to succeed. I have to succeed. And I completely, you know, that was, that became my life because I was so focused on like that kind of success or like thinking that that was success to an extent, you know, like, oh, I'm busy the whole time. I must be successful. (laughs) Or like, it must be going well. I can constantly go to stuff and feeling like that's all I was allowed. And I think that impacted my mental health of like, okay. And I've always kind of had that mindset of, I don't have any more so much, but I have to pick. I'm not allowed to be successful in work and personal life. I have to be, I have to choose. And I, in my head, because as a kind of, I think, born from a teenage rebellion of like, can we swear? Mm-hmm. Of like, fuck off everyone. Mm-hmm. I will be so successful. I will make so much money. And I choose that because it's it's obviously a lot less painful than the, the personal stuff. <laughs> I can, I know I can do that. And so mm-hmm. I think I had that determination kind of born from that, which I'm thank- thankful for to an extent, because it was like, this has to work. Yeah. I have to be this successful. I have to make this much money. But then completely my personal health, my personal life, my mental health were all kind of disregarded in 
in the meantime. Was it as well? Because when you're going out, you're projecting the professional version of yourself. So, oh yeah, I mean, it's like, that's not, not that's not me, but it's a persona to an extent. Mm. Yeah. It takes effort to yeah, go out on, and network yeah, and, yeah. and listen to people, really properly listen to people. Mm. And also there's a strategy as well, uh, which I didn't really realize, but you know, you go to a meeting and you're, you're there thinking about what they might be able to do with you you're thinking about what you might mm-hmm. be able to do with that so it's it even though it looks fun it's it can be incredibly draining yeah and i think it's it's a weird thing i don't think anyone i don't i almost feel weird to say this but like we all go to those things because they're lovely and i've known some people in the industry for years and i'd love to see them but also as a business strategy mm-hmm. like as like like you said like that will bring me work. Mm. If if none of those things never bought me work, most of us wouldn't go. So how have you found that balance? Have you do you think that you finally nailed it? Um to an extent, I've and I honestly since there's been more stuff on and the thing is I also know like for my energy I'm way better like one on one. I get very lost in the crowd. Mm. I I I kind of overcompensate. I want to just be silent and be like this. But I overcompensate. And so I'm the complete opposite. I can chat for hours. <laughs> I'm very like, and it's not that I hate it, but I can, I can do that. But mm. I completely tire myself out. There's not much point to it. I've probably just been holding the conversation at a table because no one else is talking or something. And I'll ask people questions. And, you know, sometimes when people that are like newer to the industry, like maybe don't know how to make that sports talk. Mm. So I'm like, oh, they're younger. Like, oh, I'll be the person, you know, to... You'll be the social glue. The, yeah. That's like, oh, how about you? Oh, that's like, you know, because I'm like, I can do that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to. But then you do that loads and you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. That's exhausting to me. And so I've realized that I'm allowed to prioritize myself. That's not bad personally. That's not bad professionally. How I feel I have better work. And as well, I feel I have I'm not going to not disregard the fact that I'm in a position now that I will, like, I'm known enough that Mm -hmm. I can get work. I don't want to say that, like, you don't have to do all this stuff. Like, I think me turning up to those things obviously helped in the long run. Did I need to do so much? No. Did I need to not have a personal life? No. But, of course, that does help. But I think knowing that what's most important to me in my life is my mental health <laughs> mm. and that even if I lose a job because I didn't go to something not that that would I don't think ever be the case but if that were the case which is what you tell yourself that you should go then it's a job mm. mental health is more important that 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 I am allowed to be above that and mm. that my personal life is allowed to be more important than a job whereas mm. for years never Interesting. Yeah. We've hurtled towards the end of our time together. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you, as we sign off, if you have a motto mm-hmm. or a saying that has served you extremely well that you would like to pay forward to listeners. This is something <laughs> I say all the time to my mentorship community when people um, come to me with worries about stuff they might be sharing online or you know, pitching to clients or whatever it is. And it's it's just do it, not sponsored by Nike, but <laughs> it's just 
just see what happens. Give it a go. You know, like, yeah, okay, re reread the email, check it's good. I'm not saying just like, don't think about anything. Think about things, but do them mm. because you'll only know, kind of like we were saying earlier, you'll only know if it's a good or bad thing or if that's going to work out for you or not by experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Sitting and thinking, even if you're thinking of how to perfect your website or how to take this photo, thinking is not going to give you as much feedback. <laughs> Data. Will, yes, exactly. As the doing. Mm. And the worst that can happen is it's it, you fail at it and it doesn't work out. Mm. Then you can stop wasting your time thinking about it and do the next thing and better it from that. And I think just go for it. Like we live in such an amazing world where like everyone just like you can delete it. Like yeah. if it's about sharing something online, like you can change your mind. Like just have that trust in what you're about and, and go for it, I would say. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much Thank you, for coming Emma. on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a show. And why not tell a friend about the podcast? If you want to watch what happens behind the scenes, then head over to my Instagram where I'm at Emma Guns. And if you want to get in touch with me and share any risks, obstacles, challenges, or curveballs that you've faced and overcome, then tell me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. And it may feature in one of the midweek shows. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you on the next one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.